Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Do you really want to know? It might make you uncomfortable and even sound a little crazy. But if I tell you, you can't go back to sleep. Here's the truth. You're under attack. We all are. Our children, our families, our communities. The saddest part is, they're only successful because we refuse to pay attention. For centuries, even millennia, they've conspired in the shadows and worked behind the scenes and hidden the truth behind cascading waves of lies and distractions. Can we be victorious? Oh, yeah. The fusion cell. I'll be your warrior guide, retired Green Beret Master Sergeant Jeremy Brown, with former Police Sergeant Jen. Do we have all the answers? Absolutely not. But together, we'll find them. Now, wake up. We've got work to do. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Fusion Cell. It is... December 18th, 2023, we have Jeremy Brown on the line calling in from Citrus County Detention Center in Florida. Jeremy, how are you? That's right. That's right. With my, with my unseen smile from Jen's musical selection. <laughs> you know, I made it upbeat tonight because we're all going to be learning something. <laughs> so I thought I would really get the pep in everybody's step to start out with. Yes, yes. We're gonna we're going to learn why your federal government wants to hide so desperately the fact that they by their own writings, their own rules and guidelines, spy on you and not only spy on you, but authorize those spies to break the law in order to do so. Right? So what we have here is the the good guys, and I'm using that in very loose air quotations, are apparently convinced that they must be bad guys in order to catch the bad guys. But see, I know that this isn't true, right? And uh, Jen, I'm sure you know. Jen, when you went out on the beat, did you think to yourself, man, I'm going to have to break so many laws to catch the bad guys tonight? <laughs> No, that was actually, I was surprised when I became uh, a police officer. But, you know, there are the, the traffic rules that the police have to break in order to pat, catch the bad guy. So there's that. But these oh, ones. Actually, actually, did you not go to emergency vehicle operators course? You're not allowed to exceed the speed limit by more than 10 miles per hour, even with running lights and sirens. Yeah. This is a misnomer. Yes, I'm not saying you can go buck wild and do whatever you want, but there's a there's a section that provides that, you know, police can uh, break the rule to a certain extent. Right, and that's, that's in the law. No, yes. It's not breaking the rules. It says that if proceeding in emergency traffic or running emergency traffic, you may exceed the speed limit by no more than 10 miles per hour in most jurisdictions, right? So that is the law. Right. And so, uh, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about, what we're going to talk about tonight is I today got my uh, never been nicotine stained hands, uh, as opposed to Rush Limbaugh's formerly nicotine stained hands, but my never nicotine stained hands uh, 
have uh, have placed themselves onto the Attorney General's guidelines regarding the use of FBI confidential human sources. And so we're going to go through this document. And look, we can't always tune into the fusion cell just for Jen's stunning good looks and my irreverent witty humor. No, sometimes we have to tune into the fusion cell and actually get to work, dig deep into our constitution, which honestly, it doesn't really require that that deep of digging. I mean, it's literally as straightforward as you can get. We're going to review that. But we're going to get our eyeballs dirty in the print of the Attorney General's guidelines regarding the use of FBI confidential human sources. Now, this is the Attorney General, the head of the Department of Justice, the executive branch, cabinet-level department for which oversees the Federal Bureau of Attention. And these are the guidelines, okay? These are their rules that they've literally written into paper that we're going to be able to read tonight. And you're going to see how out of control your federal law enforcement and your federal government is. Because they consider this is perfectly reasonable. If they didn't, they wouldn't have put it into writing. But first, we're going to review just a little bit of what some words mean, right? What the Constitution says. Because remember, before there was the FBI, before there was the Department of Justice, there was the Constitution. The document, which was the agreement of people, standing, we the people, right, through our state legislatures and representatives, authorized the formation of the federal government and put into writing those restrictions on that federal government so that they cannot violate those restrictions, right? Because, see, again, our founders just fought a revolutionary war for independence, of which they threw off a tyrannical government in order to form their new government, right? So they were very sensitive to the overreach of an overly controlling and powerful federal government, right? So that's what we're going to do tonight, Jen. Does it sound super exciting to you? It's uh, pretty thrilling. <laughs> well, try, try to contain yourself, okay? I'm just kidding. So, um, just FYI, like, Jeremy, I just wanted to see, I like to look at the history of things, right? So I just looked up when they wrote this or when these guidelines came out. I'm reading December 13th, 2006. Well, that was the preceding version. So the version we're going to go over tonight, and yeah, thank you for jumping ahead in class again. Uh, but this version was interestingly signed by Attorney General William Barr on December 23rd of 2020. Now, there's a significance to that date, and I'm not going to ask Jen because she knows because in a pre-show research did this. But can anyone guess what else happened on December 23rd of 2020? 
Anyone? I don't see any hands because I can't see you. So let me give you the answer. William Barr resigned. <laughs> the very day that William Barr resigned is the day that he signed this document, which, which uh, overrode a 2006 version of this document. So on the way out the door, William Barr changes the policy. Oh, and you know what else was uh, December 23rd? Was simply four, just four days after President Trump tweeted, come to D.C. on January 6th, it'll be wild, right? So January 6th, right, was just announced. And yet four days later, these guidelines on the use of confidential human sources were signed by William Barr, who's on his way out the door, literally. Why is he signing anything? He's done. In fact, he announced his retirement uh, a week prior to this document being signed. But I guess it was a big emergency. Almost like maybe he knew something was coming down the pipe that we needed to get into writing the illegality of all of the FBI's confidential human source guidelines and, and i mean look yeah did you not just look this up on the internet as well when i told you about it yeah yeah i did and i posted yeah. for everybody See, to have it it's no different than i can point you to an unclassified unconventional warfare doctrine of which you can simply read and be like oh my gosh i can't believe this is all well what do you what do you think the classified version looks like what do you think the top secret SCI version of unconventional warfare doctrine, of which it, it exists, right? I mean, there's top secret policy, there is top secret operational doctrine, there are top secret procedures, right? Well, this this is the document that the FBI says, oh yeah, we, we can publish this, this isn't a big deal, right? What do you think they're classified their secret or top secret versions of these guidelines are because let me tell you they exist so uh we're going to go through this document tonight and you're going to hopefully i have to pick your jaw up off the floor because i mean it's just a 42 page document right uh, it's not it doesn't take long reading i just got this for tonight's show uh twice and so uh not a lot to it but it, it's basically brag right out in the open that, you know, we break the law and it's fine as long as we say we can break the law. Isn't that wonderful? Don't you wish you could just make all the rules for yourself? <laughs> rules for me, but not for me, right? Isn't that, that's a fabulous concept. And, and this is exactly the concept that the federal government is putting into writing and using against you and your fellow Americans on a daily basis and going, well, there's nothing to see here. Here's the FBI. We can do whatever the hell we want to do. So uh, when I come back, we're going to briefly review some key aspects of the Constitution, you know, that pesky supreme law of the land, right, of which the federal government is bound to. You have one judges And all of these other things, right? Uh, these are hard and fast, uh, no breaking of the rules, the supreme law of the land. We're going to review some of these finer aspects, and then we're going to dig into this document, and then hopefully 
uh, here in Citrus County, I'll be able to hear everybody's uh, jaw hit the floor and then uh, their fists pound on the desk as they uh, fly off into a fit of rage at what is going on in this country. So let me call right back. The caller has hung up. Yeah, in, in comparing this to um, municipal policing, I was I was going to talk about the different ways in which you don't follow the law. So, right, for example, um, having to break the law to do a car chase, for example. Another one would be, you know, trying to gain a confession out of someone, which I have a hard time with um, because there's so many different ways that you can get that accomplished, I think. Um, but the root of the problem being, you know, the justice system needs an entire overhaul anyway for all the mechanisms that are in place to work for them to actually work. And maybe that means reimagining the the whole system. I mean, something's got to be done at some point to fix what we got going on, fix, quote unquote. But I mean, this is what they have on the menu. So anyways, Something I saw today that just came out, Governor Greg Abbott signed a bill making it a state crime to enter Texas illegally. And then you also have, I think, the Arizona governor who won her election fair and square uh, having to send people down to the border. I'm talking about the National Guard or something to that effect. So these things are only getting... Quote unquote worse, but you can see the state is having to take it into their own hands. Maybe there'll be some reprieve because next year is an election year. We'll see. If you believe this should be a private call, please hang up and follow facility instructions to register this number as a private number. To accept this free call, press 1. To refuse this free call, thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. All right, can you hear me? Yes. All right, so I'm going to try to breeze through the Constitution aspect of this as quickly as possible. It's all stuff that we've reviewed before. But, I, but before we start on that, I, w- I want to remind everybody that my job here, I, I do not see my mission as beating two misdemeanor counts out of the, dis- central, uh, the District of Columbia, right? Uh, I didn't see my mission here as beating the felony charges in Tampa. My mission is threefold, right? First is to expose the illegal activities of the federal government and its use of the military intelligence industrial complex coupled with its cover story of the FBI uh, and its illegal use of the judicial system to cover it all up. And the second is the exposure of the judicial system and how it violates the Constitution on a regular basis, right? And then only the third uh, uh, tier of that mission is that hopefully uh, I'll get out of jail sometime before I die, right? So uh, so in order to do that, we, we must know what the Constitution is. We must know what our Constitution says, otherwise... Our ignorance of it will be used against us and judges and prosecutors and lawyers, defense attorneys, everybody will just simply say, oh, no, Uh, the federal rules of criminal procedure say this rule X, Y, Z, elemental P, right? Uh, Oh, no, 
procedure, this policy, this rule uh, says that we have to do this. No, the, a rule does not uh, supersede the law. And a law, as defined by the Constitution in Article 6, Paragraph 2, is merely uh, a law that is in pursuance of the Constitution itself. So first, first thing the judicial system loves to do is what a little thing we call legal precedence, right? Case law. All case law is, is finding a case that had an outcome based on the opinions of a human judge who clearly did not understand their oath of office, which is to judge the law, not make up your own law, right? But Finding a case that went your way and inciting it and saying, oh, well, in U.S. versus uh, Cortez, uh, the judge ruled this. Okay, that's what's known as case law. That's what's known as legal precedence, right? And they love to do this because, in essence, what it is is judges that have usurped the authority from the legislature. Because, see, in Article 1, Section 1, the Constitution clearly states that all legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in the Congress of the United States, meaning that see, a legislative act is the creation of law. A judicial act is merely a judicial power, which is the only power that has been given to the judiciary under Article 3 of the Constitution is to judge those legislative acts, not create them, right? The judge's interpretation is not law. It's simply a ruling. And yet somehow this corrupted judicial system has put itself above the Congress by stating, well, my opinion about what the law says or doesn't say is now the new law of the land, right? And this is why we're constantly hearing about, oh, this circuit court and this circuit court and the Supreme Court. That Their job is merely to settle disputes based on the law. That's it. We stay from that. So remember, it is the legislatures, the only ones that cre can create law. Now, can they pass? unconstitutional law? Absolutely. That's where the judicial branch comes in. And they say that legislative act does not conform and is not in pursuance thereof to the Constitution. And therefore, it is unconstitutional. It is, it is null and void. This is the way our government is supposed to work. And then, of course, the executive branch is merely supposed to execute these laws. Right, hence the word executive. So, Article One, right there, uh, our courts every single day violate by, by uh, creating this term that they love, which is case law. Case law says case law. Who cares what cases say? Those are simply judges' opinions. What does the law say? And see, the law is actually clear. It's written words that mean things. Okay, and. What is the Supreme Law of the Land? Well, we know that simply by going to Article 6, Paragraph 2. This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, means 
only the ones that actually conform to the Constitution are the supreme law of the land. And that the judges in every state shall be bound thereby anything in the Constitution and laws of the state contrary notwithstanding, right? So in other words, if it's in the Constitution, judges are bound to uphold it. If it's not in the Constitution, the Tenth Amendment kicks in, and states are at liberty to make their own rules and laws, okay? But see, that wasn't good enough, so our founders said, you know, we laid out the laws, we laid out the rules, and left and right limits, but we still were worried that uh, maybe we weren't clear enough. So, in 1791, they ratified the Bill of Rights. And in, in the preamble of the Bill of Rights, it explains exactly why they did it. It says... The convention of the number of the states having at the time of their adopting the Constitution expressed a desire in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers that further declaratory and restrictive clauses should be added, right? So that is a further declaratory and restrictive causes. Why? To ensure that there's no misconstruction or abuse of the powers that were previously given, right? And so some key ones that are going to come into play here when we're talking about confidential human sources are the First Amendment, right? Congress will make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceable to assemble, or to petition the government for redress of evil. Now, keep in mind, abridging of your free speech. If you would not say because you're afraid, you might be, then the government has just free speech and therefore violated. Or First Amendment, right? If the government is working with the media, it is violating the First Amendment because it is abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, right? We have a freedom to have a press, a media that is not influenced by our government. Otherwise, how are we supposed to get information? Right? It's not the government's job to determine what is disinformation, what is misinformation. No, that's our job. See, they're not allowed to influence our press. It is meant to be free. It is a form of speech. And, of course, to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress, to basically call out the government for being in disagreement with what we want. Right? The Fourth Amendment. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. And no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or things to be seized. Meaning, the government has no right to search or seize you, your house, your communications, 
Nothing. You have the right to liberty found in the Fifth Amendment. What is liberty? The freedom from confinement, the freedom from restriction of movement, right? So keep that in mind, the Fourth Amendment. And then the Sixth Amendment, right? The Sixth Amendment says, all right, if the government wants to accuse you, these are the things that you're entitled to. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district within the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law, and to be informed of the air and causation. Well, this is key because right here in my hands, I have a government response to what's called a bill of particulars. This is basically us saying, um, here's the charges that you charged me with, but you haven't provided any of this information that should exist in order for me to be guilty of these charges. And so we would like for you to disclose this information to us in a bill of particulars. We particularly lay out the things that we would like for you to give to us. Well, in the government's response to our filing of this bill of particulars, it literally says this. Uh, and it's, this is their argument as to why this bill of particulars should be denied. It says, applying this principle, judges of the court have constantly denied motions for bills of particular, where the motion, and I quote, seeks details about the nature of the government's evidence. Now, wait a minute. Now, let's go back to the Sixth Amendment. The Sixth Amendment literally says that I have a right, right? I have a right to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation. So the government is so bold as to even use the language of the Constitution in making an inverted argument. They're saying that, oh my God, he's trying to seek the nature of our evidence. Uh, yeah, because the Sixth Amendment guarantees me not only the ability to examine the nature, but also the cause of your accusation. These are some key aspects of our Constitution, and your constitutional rights, we're going to see that the Federal Bureau of Investigation, by policy guidelines, blatantly and overtly declares that we violate the law. We spy on you. We are abridging your free speech. We're abridging your free press. We're abridging your right to assembly and to express uh, uh, your redress for grievances. Right? We're we're violating your ability to face your accuser, which is also guaranteed in the Sixth Amendment to examine the nature and cause of the accusations against you. See, an accusation is a charge, and the charge must be supported by evidence in order to get a conviction. Therefore, if you are given the right to examine the nature and cause of the accusation, well, that is the evidence against you. That is the explanation as to why you're being accused. And so. FBI guidelines, we're going to walk through and we're going to show you how your government is blatantly 
violating your rights. They're admitting to it in their own documentation, and then they're attempting to hide all of this from the public. Why? Because I have a right to a public trial, which means if you're going to bring an accusation against me, then it must be open to the public. Because, see, the public has the right to be exposed, to evaluate, to see how the judicial system is working. This is the intent of the public trial. This is the intent of guaranteeing a judicial jury. Because see, not only am I on trial, but the very law themselves are on trial, and the very system itself is on trial. So that is what the due process, the public trial system, is meant to guarantee in order that we, the people, maintain control over this. We're going to start to go through and, and pick out some key points of this document. The Attorney General guidelines regarding the use of FBI confidential human sources. So let me call back and we will continue. Okay. The caller has hung up. Okay, you guys. Are we going to talk about what happened in the Capitol meeting room? Excuse me, the Senate chambers, the Senate meeting room, the video. I don't know if we're going to talk about that tonight um, since we're talking about these guidelines. But, you know, first of all, Laura Loomer brings the receipts. Okay. And she has no mercy. So, I mean, every time I opened Twitter, I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't take any more of this story. She's gone too far. There's only so much you want to know. The more you found out by reading the updates, I mean, it is just, it is Sodom and Gomorrah in D.C. There's no doubt about it. He, he had <laughs> this staffer that ended up getting fired was just posting crazy naked pictures of himself, naked, half naked, practically naked, all over the internet. It, it was crazy. He's also registered as a foreign agent. Um, I guess we just have foreign agents all over our federal government, state government, city government. They're just, they're everywhere, I guess. I don't know what it takes. Like, what are the requirements to become a staffer? Because the decency administration. <laughs> An incarcerated individual at. Citrus County, Florida. Well, they're exposing a lot. Private. It will be recorded and may be monitored. If you believe this should be a private call, please hang up and follow facility instructions to register this number as a private number. To accept this free call, press one. To refuse this free call, thank Back you for using guidelines. Securus. You may start the conversation now. All right. Can you hear me? Yes. Now, I know that we just read some of the Constitution, and, and we all know that you can only understand the Constitution if you uh, apparently went to Harvard Law or something like that. But were you able to pretty much understand everything that I just read? Yeah, yes. I just want to make sure I didn't lose anybody. No, okay, it's good. pretty straightforward, right? <laughs> All right. So that was the Constitution. Now, when you hear the term confidential human source, this is what you need to remember. This is what you need to think. Spot. A spy, a government spy, a paid 
government spy against you, right? Okay, so a spy not necessarily in conformity with the Bill of Rights, right? Because the, the government's not supposed to be able to spy on you. See, that's why we have the First Amendment, freedom of speech. This is why we have the Fourth Amendment, right? The, uh, they can't illegally search and seize you, right? That searching includes actual information. He's dropping in your house and all this other stuff, right? So they like to use the term confidential human source, but it really is spy. And they're paid. And they are paid for long periods of time, right? And the reason that the government doesn't want you to know about how they utilize these CHSs is because they know what they're doing. They know that what they're doing is wrong and illegal, right? Uh, in fact, when we get to the definitions, they even use the term illegal, right? And so they want so badly to hide this that in my hand right now, I'm holding a protective order addendum governing certain discoveries. Well, what is that certain discovery? That certain discovery is confidential human source material. Now, this very protective order addendum itself, the document I'm holding under my in my hand right now, is actually itself under seal. Meaning you, the American citizen, cannot find it on PACER, which is where all the public documents and public filings in this court case are filed. If you were to look up this docket entry, it's under seal. You can't see it because the government doesn't want you to read statements like this. To adequately protect the United States' legitimate interest governing information about confidential human sources, the court adopts the instant protective order addendum, right? So in other words, the government is restricting me from seeing any of this information. And why is that key? You're going to see here in just a few minutes. But here are some of the, this is how restrictive it is. One, you're not even allowed to see this document. So if I were to sign my rights away, which is what it requires me to do, right? Because see, normally a judge's order doesn't require that you, quote, read, understand, and agree to the terms, right? <laughs> See the little trick there? See, this is a judge's order, but only if I sign it and agree to it. Because, see, everything in it violates the Sixth rights. And so the only way it actually holds up to any legal muster, if I sign it and acknowledge that I agree to hereby agree to the terms and provisions of the protective order addendum. But, see, I do not agree to it because I've read the Sixth Amendment. And here's why. Because in limitations, this is what it limits. It says the legal defense team, but not the defendant. So my lawyer, but not me, may view confidential human source materials, but only in a location determined by the United States. And you know where the United States has determined that that location is? In Washington, D.C., a thousand miles away. Yes, my attorney has to go to D.C. in order to visually see this information, confidential human source information. In other words, a witness against me. 
there is no such thing as a confidential human source in the Constitution. There's also no such thing as national security or legitimate government interest. In fact, the Constitution doesn't protect anything of the government. It only protects, it only lays out restrictions and guidelines for the government and protects you, the citizen, the American people from the government. But yet, this is what this protective order wants to do. It says that my legal defense team shall not disclose to me, the defendant, any identifying information, such as the name of the confidential human source. But wait, the Sixth Amendment tells me that I have a right to face my accuser. Well, how can I face my accuser if I don't even get to know who the person is? You see, my legal defense team can see who the person is. <laughs> and then the legal defense team shall not disclose the information contained in any of the confidential. They can't tell you anything that they see. This is a violation of my Sixth Amendment. My right to a public trial, my right to face my accuser, my right to examine the nature and cause of the accusations made by these individuals who are operating as agents of the government known as confidential human sources. And so let's open up the Attorney General's guidelines regarding the use of FBI confidential human sources, and let's just go right to the first real important part, which is the definitions. You know, it wouldn't be a good government document if they didn't first define what all the acronyms and terms mean. You've got things such as special agent in charge, uh, federal prosecuting officer, and things like that. But if you turn to, if you're following along, turn to page three, and it is part of the uh, section D definitions. Uh, paragraph eight is the definition for a senior leadership source. Now, of course, seven is the definition of a confidential human source, any individual who is believed to be providing useful and credible information to the FBI for any authorized information collection activity, okay? But a senior leadership source, what is a senior leadership source according to the FBI's guidelines? Well, a senior leadership source is a confidential human source who is in a position to exercise significant decision-making authority over or to otherwise manage and direct the unlawful activities of the participants in a group or organization involved in unlawful activity. Wait a minute. So you're saying that somebody that works for the FBI as a confidential human source, but is a senior leadership person, meaning that they're in a position to make decisions, have authority over, and manage and direct unlawful activities of the very participants in a group or organization involved in unlawful activities. That sounds to me like that the liaison to the FBI for the operation of illegal activities, because that's exactly what it is. And see, uh, these unlawful activities uh, deemed to be high importance to the FBI's criminal investigative priorities, even if the unlawful activities are local or regional in scope. So right here in the end section is the FBI admitting that they utilize and pay people to 
control, maneuver, manage, direct unlawful activities. Why? Because they have a significance to the FBI's criminal investigative priorities. What do you mean, like, if it was a criminal investigative priority to arrest a bunch of white supremacists or right-wing extremists, right? The type of investigative priorities? You mean to tell me that the FBI's guidelines state that they can utilize the competent human sources in a leadership position to maneuver unlawful activities as long as it's in line with the FBI's criminal investigative priorities? Well, that's what they say, right? The next definition is a high-level government or union source. This describes confidential human sources that are literally politicians or labor unions. Well, this is kind of odd. Like of all the different groups, the single out labor unions, it's almost like labor unions are a key aspect of the unconventional warfare you know, activities of an insurgency paradigm. How many times are labor strikes, labor unions, and things like that mentioned as part of unconventional warfare? Well, that's funny because here the FBI considers that to be a key grouping of resource types, so much so that they put it in the definition section. Well, look at number 10 the definition of a tier one otherwise illegal activity. Otherwise, illegal activity? It's an illegal activity as long as you aren't saying that it's not an illegal activity. Yeah, that's exactly what it means. Let's read the definition. An activity that A would constitute a misdemeanor or felony under federal, state, local, tribal, or territorial law if engaged in by a person acting without authorization. So, in other words, a otherwise illegal activity, see the FBI is authorizing it, so therefore it's otherwise. Otherwise, it would be an illegal activity. Above the commission or the significant risk of the commission of any act of violence by a person or persons other than a confidential human source. These corrupt conduct or the significant risk of corrupt conduct of official or a public official in that level this team. That would be an example of authorized illegal behavior according to the FBI's tier one definition of otherwise illegal activity. And, and this, this definition will be key as it gets further into the document. Go down here to eight. This is a confidential human source providing to any person other than an FBI agent any quantity of a controlled substance, an explosive, firearm, or other dangerous weapon or other item that poses an immediate and significant threat to public safety with little or no expectation that it will be recovered by the FBI. Wait, what? You mean to tell me that the FBI, in their guidelines, literally says, oh, yeah, we can authorize the use of controlled substances without an expectation of getting them back, explosives, firearms, 
or other dangerous weapons that pose an immediate and significant threat to public safety, but we don't expect to get them back. We don't expect to recover them. Yeah, this is what is considered a tier one FBI otherwise illegal activity. Something that the FBI authorizes confidential human sources to do <laughs> in writing. Oh, don't worry, we'll get to that. And then, of course, a tier one otherwise illegal activity. Oh, that's just any other activity that would constitute a misdemeanor or felony. So, in other words, all the laws are covered. Any law that the FBI deems necessary to meet its criminal investigative. Uh, priorities, it can just say, eh, don't worry about that. It's just a felony. They're breaking the law to enforce the law. Well, see, that's a misnomer. You can't do that, right? That just makes you a lawbreaker. That just makes you a criminal. Then, would you be comfortable if you were part of a law enforcement unit to say, oh, well, those rules don't apply to us, <laughs> particularly the Constitution? Yeah, definitely not. Well, why? Because don't law enforcement swear to support and defend the Constitution? You have one minute left. Yes. Okay, so does it sound like uh, the FBI giving, let's just say, stinger missiles with no desire to get them back to some guy that's part of a group that's actually run by another guy that's on FBI payroll. Does that sound like that that's conforming to the Constitution, that it's supporting and defending the Constitution? Doesn't sound like it to me. That sounds like entrapment. But that's where we're at. Look, we're only in the definition phase, okay? So when I call back, we're going to continue to dig a little bit deeper into this document, and you're going to find that this is a reoccurring theme. This is just run-of-the-mill operation for confidential human source, according to the FBI's own guidelines. So let me call back, and we will continue on. The caller has hung up. Okay, very interesting. I'm looking up Whitney Webb's book, which I am still reading. It's very dense, but these are her two books that would be pointing right to this information that we're reading here. One Nation Under Blackmail, Volume 1 and Volume 2. But what she gets into is basically how, you know, how did this originate? Where did this start? That the FBI started working with the mob to combat crime. So they started choosing uh, which crimes they were um, going to enforce the law on. And then, of course, that came with favors with uh, the mob bosses and all that. So... I highly recommend this book. I have two. Like I said, my uh, ADD is making it hard to get through it uh, because I like to try to take in all the information. But I, and I know I've mentioned it a couple times on the podcast, but lots of good information in there. Incarcerated individual. Ad. And you can also learn a lot just by listening to her um, on one of the any interviews she's done. She drops a lot of information. Also, private call. Please hang up and follow facility instructions to register this number as a private number. To accept this free call, press 1. To refuse this free call, thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. All right, can you hear me? Yes. All right, and, and, and is the audio good tonight? I'm not cutting in and out. I know I'm not taking a lot of uh, 
uh, breaks to get catch a breath or let anybody else talk. And so I might not have I'm saying is everything sounding okay? Yeah, definitely better than prior nights. You you're you're clear. Okay. I'm surprised. So I, look, I definitely recommend you read this document in its entirety. Like we're going to skip ahead to page 12, right? Uh, part B, instructions. These are basic instructions that FBI agents must give to confidential human sources, right? And the very first one is that information provided by the confidential human source, it must be truthful, right? And yet, if you read the entirety of the document, there is a lot of focus on criminals because a lot of times that's what they use. Because, see, the next point is that confidential human sources assistance and information provi provided is entirely voluntary, right? <laughs> so let's see. If you're facing felony charges and an FBI agent comes and sits down and says, you know, if you are willing to help us, uh, we might be able to talk to the DOJ about maybe getting something reduced in your favor, right? Like, is that voluntary? Really? I mean, uh, and would you really trust this guy that's literally helping the FBI in order to get lesser sentence or maybe drop a few charges or whatever? But don't worry. The FBI and their guidelines says that the information, it must be truthful, right? And that it must be entire, entirely voluntary. Although that's going to be contradicted because that would mean that the FBI could never task a source to get information or to do certain things, right? Because, see, isn't it supposed to be voluntary? Well, if it's voluntary, well, then I can't tell you what to do, right? So, but don't worry, it's all voluntary and it's all truthful. Um, let's see, continue down. Uh, now, it says here, that the confidential human on page 13, uh, subparagraph B, it says the confidential human source has not been authorized to engage in any criminal activity and has no immunity for prosecution for any unauthorized criminal activity. Not from any criminal activity. No, 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 no. Because, see, remember, we can have otherwise illegal activities. See, these are things that the FBI says it's okay for them to do but not for you to do. Well, see, the confidential human source, they cannot engage in criminal activity that isn't authorized criminal activity. I didn't write this. The FBI did. Or the Attorney General did, I should say. All right, so let's skip ahead to page 15. Uh, section C, annual validation review. Now, remember, I have talked about this many times when I say, look, we're not talking about confidential informants, right? Somebody that just walks in the police station or sitting in the back of the police car and says, hey, Mr. Mister, uh, I could give you some information. Uh, the trap house is around the corner. No, we're talking about confidential human sources. And I've said, well, these sources are spotted, assessed, recruited, trained, right? And then operationalized. And it's this process, usually takes months, if not years. Well, here it is right here, verified, because they have an annual valuation review, validation review, I should say. It says each confidential human sources file shall be reviewed at least annually, consistent with these guidelines. Well, that means that we're not talking about a short class to bang type 
procedure. This program is not something that we just met them today, recruit them tomorrow, and operationalize them next week. No, this is a long-range projected activity, and it's laid out right here in the guidelines because it has annual reviews of other confidential human sources. And later on in the document, it says one of the time frames is every five years, which means that some of these, and probably a lot of them, have been in this confidential human source system for at least five years, or else you wouldn't have a policy that says that they must be reviewed every five years. Then we go down to Section 3, Special Approval Requirements. Still on page 15, A, define categories of sources. Now, remember, we talked about the First Amendment, so we're going to get into that here. Uh, but it says, required early approval within 60 days of utilizing a confidential human source to meet any of the following definitions, the FBI must seek written approval. Now, the written approval thing is key throughout the document. If you read it, Everything is in writing. Every aspect of every confidential human source, their approval process, their disciplinary, their pay, everything is in that confidential human source's file. Well, don't you think that would yield a lot of interesting information? If we were to look at the file associated with every January 6th confidential human source, we would see how much they've been paid. We would see what instructions they've been given. We would see what otherwise illegal activities that they've been authorized to commit in writing. Huh. Maybe that's why they don't want anybody to see any of this material. And this is why the other night when Laura Logan was talking to Clay Higgins and he says, oh, January 4th, 5th, and 6th is the key to learning the truth about January 6th. What did I say? I said, no, the confidential human source data and information that I know exists is what's key to finding out the truth of January 6th. Because what's going to happen when all of these confidential human sources that were present on January 6th have been inside of the Oath Keepers of Cowboys for one, two, five years, receiving tasking to do this? to violate this law, to break this law. What about the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot? Horses was alleged to have planted explosives in one of these suspects' vehicles. I believe it was a female source that was accused of that. I, yeah, I, I, that's, what, that's what I heard. I can look into it a little bit more. But I think Julie Kelly reported that. Well, would we possibly find out that there's a confidential human source that was tasked to commit the otherwise illegal activity of placing military explosives in the RV of Jeremy Brown? I don't know. But if that was a tasking, if that source is within the FBI's confidential human source system, well, then certainly that should be documented because it says right here, that everything is within a written approval. So what are some of the types of confidential human sources that require the 60-day prior early approval? Well, one of them is the senior leadership source. Now, remember, what was the senior leadership source? Well, that was the guy or girl who is in such a position as to actually be able to direct, plan, manage unlawful activities 
of an unlawful group. That person is an FBI employee, a paid senior leadership source. They require special approval to commit such actions. What's the other one? This is an interesting one. Privileged or media source. Huh. What is a privileged or media source? A confidential human source who is under the obligation of a legal privilege of confidentiality. Wait, what? You're telling me that the FBI's guidelines permit the approval of a source that is operating in the role of an attorney, of a doctor, of a psychologist, of a clergy member. Yeah, says right here, privilege or media source, a confidential human source who is under the obligation of a legal privilege of confidentiality or affiliated with the media. So you mean to tell me that the FBI's guidelines actively says, yeah, hey, if we're going to violate the First Amendment, you know, the free press, then yeah, it's all it's all freedom of speech. It's complicated. You wouldn't understand. Um, yeah, we're going to violate that by inserting a government spy, a paid government spy into the media. Well, why would that be valuable? I don't know. Uh, let's say, let's say a terrorist group were going to violate the border of a country and we wanted some really good propaganda footage. We might infiltrate that group with somebody in the media and that media group would be infiltrated by the U.S. government. Or maybe we want to defame some guy who keeps telling everybody that the FBI tried to recruit him to be part of January 6th. What a kook. He would never do that. Right? So um, do we have anybody at the Washington Post that maybe might be able to get some information to the reporter? And yeah, if they were just do us a little favor and just write a story about this guy. Yeah, don't worry about who he is. Of course, nobody knows who he is. But let's just call him a conspiracy theorist. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe in a few months he's going to reveal a recording of us trying to recruit him uh, before January 6th was even invented. And if he does that, well, we don't want people to actually believe him. Oh, I mean, he'll seem credible because, you know, he's in special forces and held a top secret clearance, you know, for 20 years. I mean, you literally work in the office that handled covert and clandestine compartmentalized operations. So, yes, if you could really help us out and just write the article, make them sound real crazy. Uh, it seems to me like that's totally within the FBI's uh, guidelines on how they might use a confidential human source. And then, of course, the third one is a high-level government or union source. They're literally infiltrating our own government. Well, aren't they the government? Sure, but see, isn't the government made up of multiple ideologies and political parties? So in essence, by FBI guidelines, it's totally reasonable to put a high-level government confidential human source inside a political opponent's campaign or 
hey, we got some labor union negotiations that aren't going the way the government wants them to go. So maybe we need to get a senior leadership source as part of the union to maybe influence the direction that the government wants the labor negotiations to go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is all right here in black and white in the guidelines signed by William Barr. And see, over and over again, page 16, uh, approval process, you'll see over and over again that all of these approval things and in writing, this and that, they always like to throw this in there, except those sources providing information for use in a national security investigation or foreign intelligence collection. Hmm. Did January 6th fall under national security investigation? Oh, so even the very mild restrictions that these guidelines put on violating our constitutional rights, yeah, there's exceptions to even those, as long as it's national security related. And what makes a national security related? Well, anything that we say. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Uh, so let's go on. Let's just see where are my next notes here. Uh, Jen, while I'm flipping these pages, you got any, uh, you know, shock? You got any, like, I can't believe this? I can't believe it's not butter moments? You got any uh, comments? I just can't believe it was, it's just out here in the public sphere. I thought it would have been harder to find. But um, Manasu was asking, she's wondering what revisions were made. And so I've been going back and forth um, between the 2006 version and the updated, um, trying to see what the differences are but Wouldn't it's that be interesting yeah very yeah, yeah. It's take some digging. you have one more left that william Barr had to sign off on on his last day as the attorney general right before january 6th what changed i don't know i don't have the 2006 version but hey that is a great question for you all to, to look into and ask uh, i've got a more comment in can you suffer through one more call? Should we wrap it up in the next 30 seconds? Um, let's do more tomorrow. If that's okay with you guys. All right. <laughs> we'll pick up with monetary payments tomorrow. Okay. But ladies and gentlemen, this should be chilling you all to the bone. That this is the open source, unclassified guideline where the FBI simply says, yeah, we can break the law. It's fine. It's fine. Right? Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Don't do nothing. Good point. Good point. Thank All you right, for we'll using Securus. The caller has hung up. Thank you for using Securus. Goodbye. Yeah, definitely interesting to see uh, Manasu. Great point there. You do get extra credit. Actually, there's a little star next to your name right now. Um, <laughs> because... It's very hard to tell in here. I don't know if you use search find if you could find things that easily. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, you would really have to go through line by line to see where it changed. Or maybe there's a document out there that has somebody's already done that. I don't know. But no, I didn't know that, that something like this existed. I'm kind of surprised that it's been this late in the game that I have seen this. Obviously, thanks to Jeremy. But where has this thing been floating around? Just on the internet, nobody's been talking about it. If if someone else in the audience knew that this thing existed, honestly, should have made, um, somebody's got to make a meme out of it so that people understand. 
um, it's all written out um, for the world to see. And this is just one of many documents that are out there. I'm sure you know some of the sites where they've compiled a lot of um, unclassified documents from everything from um, free energy, right? How to create the free energy to frequencies to astral traveling to to this so there's all kinds of things that you can find out there anyways thank you very much for being here uh we will see you tomorrow night in the fusion cell and whatever you do don't do nothing have a great night folks world domination same old dream The universe grows smaller every day. This nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. It was a great word.